Throwback Thursday continues on Gonzaga Nation SI. I'm your host, Dan Dickow, where bring back former Gonzaga players from all eras to talk about their experience. Today's guest, one of my former teammates, someone that uh, personality just lights up the room anytime he would uh, come in the room, the locker room, the classroom, the room when we would be hanging out as teammates, uh, Alex Hernandez. Alex, thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. Hey, so we'll get right into this because, you know, uh, everybody has their own path about how they get to Gonzaga. Uh, you had a unique and interesting path, your youth growing up, and then you spent your high school years in Las Vegas before going to Casper Community College. You were an All-American at the community college level, and I don't think a lot of people understand how difficult that is, but then also the opportunities that brings. You chose Gonzaga over a lot of maybe at the time higher profile schools. What was it about Gonzaga for you at the time that said, I want to be there? Well, it was, you know, they had a great run in that 99 year Elite Eight. And when I took a visit there, it was, you know, it was something special about that place. You know, the camaraderie of the guys. There was a lot of guys that were gym rats, which I liked. Um, a lot of accessibility to the gyms and everything was very intimate. And that's what I enjoyed about it. So give us a little bit of an idea about what other schools were recruiting you. Um, because I, I hate to date a, both of us that, you know, that was 20 plus years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had some top schools, USC, pretty much a lot of schools on the West coast, uh, UCLA, UNLV, um, Pittsburgh, um, UConn, um, Tulsa, when Bill Self was there. Um, yeah, those, those, you know, I was getting highly recruited. So you're a Vegas kid. Correct. UNLV's recruiting you. Yeah. How do you say no to that? Well, I knew I wanted to get away from home because I've been there pretty much my whole life. And I wanted just to experience new things. And when I left to Casper, it was my first time on an airplane. So that was, you know, culture shock in itself. And I, you know, accepted it. And I just knew Vegas wasn't for me. And, you know, at that time wasn't very good. So that's why I didn't really choose, you know, So you get to Gonzaga. Um, you mentioned you wanted to be around a bunch of guys that, uh, you know, were always in the gym working. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's one of the great things about Gonzaga, you know, is – Individual work, you've got chances to get better. Open yeah. gym, we're always in the gym playing to get better. And then you get coaches that, um, you know, from it was Coach Few early stages and Tommy's early stages as an assistant coach, you know, leaving no stone unturned to try to figure out how to improve your game and then in turn improve the team's performance and opportunities. What was it about your game that allowed you to excel? Because you seem to play best in the big moments. Yeah, I, my whole career was kind of like that. I always liked the bright lights. And, you know, growing up in the Casper, I always was playing inside, as you know, you know. So that I knew that my game coming into Gonzaga would fit in very well. Um, you know, we led the nation in rebounds that year. And, you know, it, that I was always the grinder, you know, and it, it kind of fit my game. So when you played at Gonzaga, there, 
there's always always each guy always has a couple memories, whether it's a game or an experience or, or a big moment um, that they can look back at and, and think of, hey, that was awesome. What would that be for you? Well, there, there's a few. Um, one that comes to mind is actually when we played St. Joe's, if you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and we went, we, we you know, we, we go get to Philly, we go into this small gym and it felt like a high school gym and it was electric and the vibes were just unreal. And that game was back and forth. They had great players. I think Delonte West was on that team. And then it came down to the wire and you got the ball on the wing and did a nice crossover and fade away. I think that was pretty amazing, amazing game. Well, I uh, just for the listeners out there, I didn't set you up or tell you to say that that uh, no, that dude, definitely that, brings back memories for me as well. Well, yeah, that was that that game was unreal, and you know, obviously a bad memory would be losing to Wyoming in uh, New Mexico, which I still get talked to about, which you know bring back bad memories. But obviously, the committee gave us a bad. Uh, seating and a bad placement <laughs> yeah there, there's a, a couple former teammates during that era Kyle Bankhead being another one you know that, that we talk about how did we get a six seed when we're ranked six in the country and the committee uh did us no favors at the end of the day we had to we had to perform uh we yeah. had our chances to win we played our worst game of the year and we still had a chance to win in the last couple minutes of the game we just couldn't quite get it done um, yeah. But that that might be my most frustrating and disappointing loss in my career to this day. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you did after, um, because a lot of guys go off and, and play professionally. Was that something that you did? Because I don't, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't remember uh, what it was for you right after Gonzaga. Yeah, I just jumped right into the workforce. My wife and I decided to move to Seattle to her job for a couple years. And then, yeah, I just started doing different um, jobs and then decided to move back to Spokane and then jumped on the coaching staff and was there for many years and had a great experience coaching the guys and being a part of, you know, a dynasty that's still living to this day. That's one thing I wanted to kind of ask you about and get your take. So you played for Coach Few, um, and then you were on staff with Coach Few. And we all understand and, and appreciate Coach Few's different quirks. <laughs> when you're around him all the time, you kind of start to understand him and see, like, hey, that's why he's so successful at what he does. Because he can kind of uncover uh, some talents within guys that maybe they don't know are there, bring them out, help those players to improve and kind of put them collectively together as a team. How different was it to be around him uh, daily on the coaching staff side than it was as a player? Well, working with him, he was a lot calmer. You could actually have a good conversation with him, you know, instead of him yelling at you all the time to <laughs> pull out or swing the ball or don't shoot that. But he's a mastermind. He's a, a great leader. Um, he's, you know, both our daughters play on the same high school team at Gonzaga Prep, which so I see him very often and we definitely chop it up and still talk basketball and strategy. And he's just uh, a great coach that knows how to win. He, you know, has the formula that, you know, still runs the same thing when you and I played still um, 
orchestrates the program the same way. And, you know, that's that's what I'm, I admire about him. You spent a couple of years on the staff, um, but you're no longer in coaching at that level. Um, you know, many of the assistant coaches have gone on uh, to do different things as, as head coaches. What was it about you that decided, hey, coaching wasn't the path that I wanted to take? Because for many guys, it is. For some, it does. It isn't. And a lot of people don't realize the timing, the hours and commitment it takes to be a coach at that level. Yeah. And, you know, I had deep conversations with my wife when I decided to step down. And I knew she she's an executive. You know, she works with Frito-Lay and she manages North America Costco, or not Costco, but um, the snack side of the business. So she travels a lot and we needed to find balance. And her job is was higher paid. So we decided to find balance. And, you know, I managed the household. So I'm fortunate enough to, you know, be semi-retired and manage the kids' schedules and and coaching them and it's a job in itself but yeah that's pretty much it so you coach some of your kids sports and events obviously i've seen you at the warehouse in different places over the years where you are coaching uh what are maybe one or two takeaways from coach the time your time with coach few that you use when you're coaching youth players well it's it's a little different but i try to you know keep the same structure that coach few uh does and i think it you know once you figure out the formula as you know of coaching and what works and what doesn't work then you just stick with it and that's what i've been doing through aau coaching my son's team with ryan floyd built for ball and then my daughter's uh ninth grade team so it's you know i try to keep it simple and not try to do too much and and stick to what works and obviously the ability of who I'm coaching. Coach has got a, a number of uh, phrases that uh, some of us former players always kind of use, <laughs> you know, maybe in jest, maybe in reverence to what he's done. Sawing wood is always one that comes back in my mind. Is there a, a phrase to you that coach few has used over the years that, that you catch yourself saying to your teams? Uh, Steinwood is a big one. Um, I remember he always say that, you know, like that big guy is kind of surly. He always used to use the surly word and, uh, dark nine was one of them <laughs> when a, <laughs> a guy goes down. Um, yeah, that's the only ones I could really think of at the time. I know you've got a busy morning with different things. Uh, don't want to take too much of your time, but, uh, you know, Gonzaga's created a culture of kind of a brotherhood where guys pull for each other. And when move on to the next level, you, you want to see them succeed, whether it's professional basketball, whether it's business wise. Um, but we always kind of look at different eras and say, man, if that guy could have joined our team, he would have been a difference maker. Or I wish I could have played with that group or with that player. Is there one player at Gonzaga that you wish, to, I guess, two part question. Is there one player that you wish we could have added to our 2002 team? And then who would you have loved to have played with? And that the two players don't have to be the same. Um, the one that comes to mind is obviously Mario Kazan. Um, he was unbelievable player, 
unfortunate that he wasn't able to play with us because I think we probably would have won the national championship if we would have had him because he was such a freak of an athlete. Um, another one would probably be uh, probably John Stockton. <laughs> you know, like every time I play with, I think me and that guy are undefeated every time we're on the court <laughs> together. So. Sunday runs. <laughs> Oh, yeah, pick and roll all day. It's like Carl and John there. That's awesome. Yeah, for, for listeners that don't know the first name, Mario Kassoon, uh, he was Tommy Lloyd's first European recruit. He was on campus with Alex and I's group. NCA never deemed him eligible. And I, uh, I do agree with you, Alex. Had he been deemed eligible, he was a seven-foot-one difference maker. He could score inside, outside, pick and roll, defend the rim we would have had a legitimate chance at winning a national title. The NCAA did Gonzaga wrong. I can say that with 100% certainty in my mind. I, I agree, man. That guy at seven foot could shoot step back threes was remarkable, man. He was very talented. And, you know, he was there at GU for two years and then jumped in the NBA. So it, it kind of worked out for him. Absolutely. Well, Al, appreciate the time. Uh, look forward to uh, connecting with some of our other teammates and other Zags from different eras, but you are today's guest on Throwback Thursday. Appreciate you joining. All right. Thanks for having me, Dan.